2: This is The Sports Edge with Rick Wolf on your flagship station for New York sports. The Fan, Sports Radio 66 and 1019 FM, WFAN, New York. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Rick Wolf Sports Edge. I'm your host, Rick Wolf. Well, I have uh, several timely and pressing topics I, I want to, uh, to discuss this morning. But before we get into the new topics, I, I do want to take a moment to go back to last week's very uh, animated uh, conversation that we had about parental expectations. And we covered a lot of ground, and obviously I know this, was a, this is an issue where we really sort of cuts right to the core of all the uh, difficulties we seem to run into these days when it comes to sports parenting and, and uh, problems that parents have uh, occasionally with, with their kids' coaches. But there's one point I wanted to make, as I thought about our show from last week, one point I think we sort of glossed over. And, and that is, as, as, a, as a parent, uh, if you're very much involved in, in your son or daughter's athletic development, and I'm sure you are, before you start trying to figure out what's wrong with the coach or how come the coach isn't using your kid the right way or not getting enough playing time, the, f- the first stop for sure has to be for you to sit down with your youngster a- and to talk to them uh, about their experiences uh, you know, playing their sport on the team because it's your, your kid who, quite frankly, will have a much better uh, sense of their, of their own abilities and, and their own potential uh, than, than you will. And that's because of the fact that kids, and sometimes we overlook this, the kids are the ones who are going to practice every day. They're the ones on the firing line. They're the ones who, who see just how good their teammates are or their peers are or the competition from other teams. And they're living this a lot more acutely than you are. I mean, most of the time the parents only see the kids, you know, actually during the games as opposed to watching them day by day. And so I would say before you start trying to rally the troops to perhaps let's protest against the coach or or go to the school board or go to the athletic director, talk to your youngster first and get their sense as to whether or not they feel they really should be starting or really should be uh, doing better or if the coach is uh, somehow not giving them a fair shake. I mean, that's where it all begins, talking to your youngster. And I think that's something that we perhaps I didn't uh, emphasize enough last week on the show because, again, we all want our kids to do great. We all want our kids to be stars. But, you know, at some point we do have to play the role of the grown-up and to be the adult, and we do have to try and be as objective as we possibly can when it comes to our own kids. And, and we have to, of course, try and keep our – emotions and parental expectations under control. So I just wanted to offer that as a as a, a follow-up, as a postscript from last week's conversation about parental expectations, because clearly clearly that's something that is a, is a concern for us as well. Um, and, you know, I, I as always, we'll take your calls and comments here at one 337 6666 That's brought to you by Mohegan Sun unlimited possibilities await you at Mohegan Sun plan your stay at mohegansun.com uh, and you know before I get to my next topic which has to do with tanking games which seems to be a, a very popular motif these days at the professional level I want to talk about that as well because I mean when it comes to tanking games losing games on purpose uh, that's a new, and very sort of scary phenomenon for uh, a lot of us, and and uh, we'll get to that in a second. But first, let me let me hear from uh, our friend Ed over in Elizabeth. Uh, Ed, good morning. You're on the fan.
3: Good morning, Rick. How you doing? That was, that was a great analogy you said about how parents' expectations
2: and all that stuff. Thank you. Uh, you know, I feel, I feel strongly right. about that because I don't think that a lot of times the moms and dads really do spend any quality time talking to their kids uh, about the kids and how the kids see their own abilities.
3: Right, I think one of the things that parents should realize too, what level they could play, play I'll give you an example. Last night I, I watched uh, Roundup Oak College play Williams in a D three round of thirty two in the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. What a fan, what a fantastic game! And you you know you're talking about tanking now. You're talking about uh, guys wanting to leave early. You know all the all the ball that's going on with the uh, D one with their uh, with the with the whatever whatever problems they're having. Yes. Uh, just watching a D3 basketball game last night, what a joy to watch. I mean, Roundup College, a local team around here now, will advance to the Sweet 16. Uh, they, they've earned it. they got five senior starters who, you know, they, 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 they play so unselfish, and they beat the number five team in the country, Williams, last night at Williams. Oh, what an atmosphere it was. So, uh, again, just watching D3 basketball or even D3 sports, parents should go see that to see what it's all about and how, how the players – they're not getting scholarships.
2: They're playing for the love of the game. <laughs> Ed, you know, uh, you, you uh, you're taking the words out of my mouth. There's something very pure about playing for playing college sports, and we both know that Division three sports are highly competitive. Uh, but the kids are not getting paid. They're not getting scholarships. They're not getting sneaker contracts. These are kids who just love playing the sport basketball in this case because they love playing basketball, and it's highly competitive. And it's, as I said, it's of a pure. The purest form of sport uh, these days, it seems, at the collegiate level, because it's not in any way sullied by by scholarship offers or, or money under the table. It's just guys who want to play, and, and that's that's a big, big, a big, huge difference.
3: So you know, you're talking about playing, but you're not only that; you're getting a quality degree no matter what school you choose. So, the, I mean, you <laughs> that's,
2: know, that's, the other that's part the of it too. That, that's
3: the thing that parents got to understand, and all that. You know, if you're good enough to get a scholarship, it'll happen. If not. Find a score that fits your son or daughter that where
2: they, they can play. I, and, then, and,
3: then if, and if that happens, hey, hopefully they'll have a great uh, career whatever level they
2: play at. Ed, well said. Thanks for the call as always. Have a great day. Talk to you next week. You know, and, and Ed makes a good point that this is what we're talking about. In fact, this sort of segues nicely into this whole thing about tanking. As I mentioned a few minutes ago, this is a new phenomenon uh, in the sense that and, and um, look, we all understand the temptation about tanking. That if our favorite professional team has a really poor one-loss record uh, by the middle of the season then has little chance to advance to win a championship, then uh, you know, they're going to be in a better position to draft higher if they, have a, if they have end up the season with a, a poor one-loss record. But you know maybe I'm old school, but this kind of approach just strikes me as really being misguided. I mean, isn't it sort of fundamental that you always try to win in sports? that you always try to play to compete and to prevail. And, and how do, more so, how do you explain the concept of tanking, which is basically losing on purpose, to your kid who's playing sports? Now, look, I understand there's a, there's a major difference between pro ball, where there's a draft every year, as opposed to high school or college sports, where there is no draft. But still, the mere suggestion of following this kind of, well, it's better to lose Approach makes me very, very nervous. And, you know, I'm curious as to what your sense is. I mean, should we be worried about this trend? I mean, I guess it all sort of started a few years ago with the Philadelphia 76ers, and basically they were in a process, as they called it, of trading away their best players uh, to sort of build for the future. Uh, and that meant, of course, that he would not be competitive while they try to stock up on high draft picks. Now, of course, we hear that Mark Cuban. The outspoken owner of the Dallas Mavericks was fined $600,000 for inappropriate comments he made about how his team will be better off losing. So this is there's a ripple effect here. I mean, suppose, for example, you decide to buy tickets to take you and your family and your kids to an NBA game to see, you know, one or two big stars on the visiting team. And it turns out they're not playing that night or they're not playing very much at all in the game. Is that fair? As a fan who you know is basically paying big money to see the game played at the highest level of competition, is that fair to anyone? And we know, of course, that Adam Silver, the commissioner of the NBA, is now pleading with team owners to stop doing this. And then last week, the uh, the Major League uh, Baseball Players Association filed a legal action against four four teams for not spending their bonus money and for not signing free agents. Now, how can you be a fan of the Miami Marlins when they dumped? all their star players. I sure don't envy uh, Derek Jeter in the role he's in. But let's get back to this. Yeah, you can uh, you certainly can try and explain to your youngster who's a sports fan why why their pro team is figuring out if they lose enough, they'll be better positioned for next year. But that runs so counter runs so counter to every fundamental tenet of competitive athletics. I mean you play in order to win. And yet now we have pro teams and their coaches and owners well, they don't get too upset, apparently, if they lose. They, in fact, they think it's better for their, their, their franchise. I just find this so so bewildering and so bizarre, and quite frankly, I find it wrong. I mean, we've talked on this show uh, several times over the years about youth and amateur teams losing on purpose in order to get into a loser's bracket in a tournament in order to avoid playing a top seed. And the coaches and parents who have instructed kids to lose— have been rightfully vilified. But isn't this the same kind of thing? Losing on purpose in order to eventually win? I mean, <laughs> it just... We, we definitely live in very interesting times, my friends, and I just find this very, very bizarre, and I worry about, as I say, the the ripple effect or cascading effect this is going to have on the next generation. Uh, I, I, I just think this is... You know, you, you're talking about tanking games. I just think that, as I said, we've talked about this where occasionally... These kind of situations have occurred at the youth level where the coaches or perhaps a parent has gone to a coach and says, you know, if we happen to lose in the first or second round and get into the loser's bracket, then we can avoid playing the top seed until we meet them at the championship round. So, coach, we want to win, right? So why don't we try this sort of unusual approach? And obviously there have been incidents where that's, that's been attempted. And I just think that is so wrong and sends such a wrong message. And to me, it's a very close cousin to the whole concept of tanking. Well, we lose today, and maybe tomorrow we'll win. I, I just find this bizarre. Uh, okay, that's, I do want to talk about that and get some, um, you know, get some uh, some of your thoughts and comments. If this is something that should be uh, is concerning to you as well, or it's just something that's a passing fad. Uh, and as I said, it all starts at the professional level, where I realize they have a draft. We don't have drafts in, in uh, youth sports, or in, you know, in high school, or in college. Uh, but, again, at the pro level, it, it's a little different. Anyhow, one that is our number. Uh, we'll take a timeout. Crystal Presty has your update. When I return, I'll go right to your calls. And welcome back to the Sports Edge. I'm your host, Rick Wolf. Uh, we're talking right now about tanking games and the impact that may have as the a, a concept trickles down to the youth level. I mean, look, admittedly, there's a, a real Distinct line between pro sports and amateur sports, because uh, obviously pro sports have drafts. But the upshot is that these kinds of maneuvers do place sports parents and youth coaches in a very awkward position. I mean, I suspect that <laughs> you're going to see more conversations like this. Uh, "Quote: Hey, coach, uh, the best team in this tournament is happens to be in our bracket. If we can somehow figure out a way to lose our next game." Well, then we can go into the loser's bracket, and then we can bypass playing the top-seeded team until we get to the championship game. So isn't that the idea, Coach, to somehow win and win the championship? You know, this kind of fictitious conversation may not be so fictitious as as we get deeper and deeper in this whole concept of tanking. and, And, you know, whether or not we should be concerned about this, as I said, this begins to sort of permeate and trickle down to our kids 1-877-337-6666. one eight seven seven 877 let us go right to our calls. Let's go to Art in uh, New Providence. Art, good morning. You're on the fan. Hi, Rick. How are you today? Good. How are you? Uh,
1: you know, I have to go back to your comment where you said, suppose you take your kids to a pro game and they, yes. they sit out the players. And I, I think my answer is, don't take them to the pro game. Let's go back to what uh, Eddie said, who I've known for a long time. Go to a nice Division three game. Watch those kids that aren't playing for scholarships or go to a good high school basketball game, public schools, where you're watching kids play from their own towns, kids that haven't been recruited by other schools, whether they're public or private. And uh, there's some great basketball out there, and there's some great sports out there where kids are just playing from their own towns. And uh, I don't think we need to, play to pay to watch the NBA guys play, that's for sure.
2: Well, Art, I, I mean, that's. Uh, I'm glad you, uh, you obviously echo uh, Ed's uh, sentiments as well because, yeah, I mean, there are terrific uh, – Sports being played at all different levels, particularly at the at the uh, the varsity uh, high school level and, and obviously Division three as well. Uh, going to a pro game is great. These are the best athletes in the world. But then again, you know, because of this trend, I guess, was started a couple of years ago by the San Antonio Spurs where guys sit out or don't play because they're being rested for that game. I mean, you go to the game, you may not see your big stars play. They might be sitting out that game. And that's not really tanking so much as it is the guys arrest rest. But then again what are you paying to play? You, you're not seeing what you want to, what, you're, up, you're not getting the product you wanted, you paid to see. So you right. Oh, and, I, and, I, and I, and
1: I, and I also agree with you about the fact it is, it is trickling down as far as, you know, what bracket do I want to be in? Who do we play? You know, you look ahead and, you know, my feeling has always been we're seated where we're seated. And, uh, the best team's going to win anyway, and where some team might just get hot. So uh, sometimes well, you have to try to put yourself in a better spot, and you wind up in a worse spot. So you just got to let the chips fall, fall where they may and, you know, play your games.
2: I, I, Art, I, I hear you. And, and uh, you know, this is the whole idea of upsets. People love upsets in sports. Well, sometimes the, the top seed does get upset by a team that was supposed to be, uh, you know, supposed to lose, you know, and, get, and, and basically be uh, steamrolled by the top team, and all of a sudden somebody knocks them off. That's the yep. beauty of sports. And yep. If you, if you if we try to avoid those those confrontations, you're you're eliminating the chance for upsets.
1: Yes, sir.
2: Eric, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Take okay, care. Have a good day. You too. Let's move on. Let's go to uh let's go to Louie in Long Beach. Hey Louie, you're on the fan. Hey Rick, how are you? Good, how are
4: you? I was just, uh beautiful. Uh I was just thinking about Mark Cuban and how he's ruining the sport. He's manipulating the sport for his own selfish motives. And I don't know if you remember the '50s so well, but City College was throwing games. Yes, with their basketball team. How do we know that Cuban isn't also throwing these games and betting on them, betting against his team? You don't know that. How one man can actually ruin sport? He should be thrown out of the league. This isn't fair because his his losing is affecting not only his team but every team in the league when it comes down to the seeding in the playoffs and also in draft picks.
2: Louis, there's a lot of um... And you're right. I mean, there's, there's a lot of questions to be asked here. And, of course, uh, Cuban is a, a, is a flamboyant personality and so on and so forth. But the fact is, and, and Louis, thank you for the call this morning, there are some you know, there are some reports that the, the Mavericks have what they call something called in, inverse analytics, which is a way of trying to figure out which is the, the team that should put on the floor that has the best chance of losing. Now, this makes sure to scratch your head, and uh, I'd like to assume that this is not happening. But yeah, there's a whole, this opens up a whole Pandora's box of what's going on, if that, in fact, that's what they're trying to do, or there's tanking going on uh, with various pro teams. And, uh, you know, Adam Silver put out a a release uh, saying this has to stop. But, I mean, I'm I'm not sure how you do this. Maybe that's what you do. You you, you take the owner and say, well, you know, uh, we're going to either suspend you for a long time or we're going to kick you out of the league. But, you know players players want to compete. Let's not forget that too. Whether you're, I mean especially guys at the pro level who are just who are the elite, they they love to compete. They love to be the best. They they want to go out and 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 give their best effort. So, let's bear that in mind as we try to figure out what what's going to happen here. Let's move on. Let's go to uh let's go to AJ down in Princeton. AJ, good morning. You're on the fan.
4: Hey, good morning, Rick. Uh interesting topic, Rick, because I'm a Ranger fan. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Uh, and uh, last Monday night, I had this empty feeling uh, that they just traded away our pieces and the building for you know for the future and everything. Right. And as a fan, uh, my wish was that they lost every game. Let's just lose every game now. Let's get the big draft pick and all that. Right. Uh, strangely enough,
2: they, they won, went to the
4: West Coast.
2: They won. They won three in a row now. They won
4: three in a row, and I taped the games. I wanted to watch the games. I want to see what the team looks like, and the team is younger. They're hungry, and my feeling is professional at- or athletes in general yeah. are competitive people. Right. I'm, you know, I I'm an athlete. Um, I'm in my early 60s. You're an athlete. Mm-hmm. Um, except I chose. I didn't choose, but I went pro in something other than sports. <laughs> as a joke, you know, <laughs> but I, but inside my DNA is an athlete. I'm always competing, and it's funny what you said about brackets. And you know, it's, if I lose, I get into an easier bracket. I'm a competitive golfer, also, and it's funny how I had an ulterior motive a few years ago of our club championship, where I knew I couldn't win the club championship, but I could win my my bracket if I lost. So I went in with the attitude that. Um, I'm probably better off being in the bracket A. As it turns out, I won that bracket. But my tanking just turned out to be my game just wasn't there that day. And everything that could go wrong went wrong. And at the end of the day, I actually had a smile on my face saying, okay, but I gave it my best. Sure. You know, there there was no tanking here. Because, like I said, I think that's in an athlete's DNA well, to a- really want to compete.
2: AJ, I couldn't agree with you more. If you are an athlete in your heart and soul, you want to compete, and you want to compete all the time at your highest level. And and all of a sudden, when you introduce something like a coach says to you, well, you know, we do want you to go out and do the very best you can, but you know what? If you don't win, that's okay, too. I mean, I, <laughs> with a wink and a smile, I don't find that that is so contrarian to people who are athletes, and you mentioned about the Rangers, and say, oh, well, they just basically traded off their team because they realized they wanted to, they're not going anywhere this year to win the Stanley Cup. And as like you said, that the new guys that came on board, they want to prove their worth, and suddenly they're on a three-game winning streak. That's what athletes do. They want to compete. They want to win all the time. I, I don't, you know, uh, so I, I, this is very troubling to me, and as I said, I don't think it's the athletes. The athletes want to win. You put them out there... Uh, they're ready to go, and let's go out and compete. They don't. They don't like the idea. Like, well, we're just going to toss in the towel because you know it helps the team's overall effort if we end up in last place. That's a real concern. It I just, don't
4: think they know how to do it. I don't I, think they I, know, I, know how to go out there and. Tank.
2: That's why I think that you know, as I said, I heard this this stuff about inverse analytics. They're trying to figure out which players to put on the court uh, so that uh, they'll they'll they have the least potential to prevail. It's very strange, very troubling. Uh, AJ, good points. Thanks for the call as always. You know, let's move on. Let's go to, let's go to Jack over in Farrell. hi, Jack, you're on the fan.
5: How you doing, Rick? Good, how, how are you? Once again, great topic. Um, before we get started, I just want to say hello from a mutual friend, uh, David Fisher.
2: Yeah. Great writer. Great writer, David. Well, Excellent.
5: Dave and I are very good friends. And, um, he actually said he was going to reach out to you this week.
2: Oh, that'd be nice.
5: Um, your book, I can't put it down. It's probably, it's right up there with the mental game of baseball. It's it's uh it's a very good book. You know, your sports psychology revealed. It's it's amazing. Thank you for that. Um, and uh, back onto the topic. Well, first of all, I coached for 42 years, as you know, mm-hmm. and um, I hated losing more than I loved winning. And the point is, is that you're talking about the athletes today you know if like the rangers were doing your last call they hit it right on the head you know when a team does that and announces it in the newspaper that we're cleaning shop you're putting you're, you're telling your fans that you're giving up of course but instead of going out and trading for money and this is one of the things this is where the topic that I wanted to get onto is that what we have to do is convince our youth that there is a big separation between Between pro sports and amateur sports, and that it is a business. And once money gets involved, crazy things happen. And, you know, when these guys start trading and making money and looking for the future and building on a program, you know, youth can't do that. You can't tank. And I coached wrestling for many years, and we've had kids that understand that if they're in this bracket, they have a better chance of meeting the best wrestler in the finals right. rather than the semifinals or quarters. Yeah. So it happens. But, you know, the kids today have to understand that the tanking part of it, even though it's a strategy at times, is also a business at the pro level. And, you know, you got to try to separate that because, you know, amateur sports, you know, and if you're talking about wanting to go watch a pro game, my first introduction, even though I've been a baseball person for my whole life, my son played eight years of professional baseball. The first introduction I had to minor league baseball, professional baseball, was in your book, and I, I actually emailed you on this, um, the Vermont Expos, I mean. We've been going there for 30 years, and I've been going to the games at Old Centennial Field up there. And to know that Harvey Dorfman, you know, started up there with Carl Kuhl was amazing to me. So,
2: Well, Jack, um, I, I, yeah. uh, <laughs> I will tell you, and I, I thank you as always for the call, uh, and it's, it's greatly appreciated. Uh, and, Jack, I'll be back to you via email, uh, hopefully today at some point. But thanks. No, again. no
5: problem. No problem. I mean, you know. Well, no, I,
2: we, <laughs> unfortunately. The more like I so. read
5: your book, the more we have in common here.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Jack, thank you again. Uh, You're more than welcome, Rick. Thank you. You know, and, and you know, to, to uh, Jack's point, uh, my mentor uh, in sports psychology was the, the late, great Harvey Dorfman, uh, who, who really sort of started the whole world of sports psychology. For professional baseball and a lot of my book is about the lessons that Harvey taught me uh, that in you know, my book the secrets of sports psychology revealed and uh, I do appreciate Jack's uh, very very kind endorsement and thoughts about it um, you know I, this whole thing with tanking it, it's just uh, again if we can draw that line and explain to our kids that you know professional sports is a business it is different at that level than amateur sports but it's got to be reinforced uh, by the uh, like high school coaches and travel coaches and obviously athletic directors that know if you're an athlete, your first and foremost obligation is to win and to try to win at all times, uh, trying to somehow circumnavigate a difficult opponent in a, in a bracket uh, to somehow get into the loser's bracket so you can advance. No, that, that, doesn't, that doesn't work. it just doesn't work. It, it runs totally contrary to the whole idea of, of the you, you play, you compete, You always do your best, and that's, as I said, it it really, really concerns me that this tanking stuff is getting more and more play, and I I don't know how this is going to be stopped. Uh, All right, let me take a timeout. When I return, I'll come back back to your calls. Stay with me. And welcome back to the Sports Edge. Don't forget, at 9 o'clock this morning, Ed Randall is here, and, of course, he'll be talking baseball this Sunday morning. Uh, Right now we're talking, and I have a couple other topics I want to get to before my time is up uh, this morning, but we are talking about the, the issue of tanking and how that's beginning to permeate uh, into uh, the, the whole world of sports. And I worry about how that will affect kids on the way up, uh, not giving their best efforts that so they feel it's, their, it's advantageous for them to lose a game in order to advance. The whole thing is kind of uh, cockeyed and backwards. But, again, we're taking your calls at one eight seven seven. 337 Let's go to our friend Rob out in Lake Success. Hi, Rob. You're How are you doing, fan. Rick? Good. A couple
0: things. Number one, that book on coaching the mental game by Harvey Dolphin and your book are just every kid, athlete, as well as parent should read this. It, it, and it teaches you about life. Uh, and that's really where I want to segue. The, the earlier caller on the range has made a fabulous point. Yep. As a professional team, which I thought was tanking, they still got a shot at the playoffs, and when you get into the playoffs, because it comes from the DNA, Rich, it comes, Rick, it comes from inside of you. And any type A personality who wants to compete, I don't see why you would not want to always do your best. I mean, I look to travel, at my level, in running, since running, to run the Boston Marathon, to travel to New York City, to compete against the best athletes that I can possibly go up against. It comes from within, and it teaches you about life. Because, Rick, part of this, what we're talking about here is at the amateur level versus the professional, I get it. It's a business. To some extent, you're getting cheated if you're the fan going to watch. And I got a lot of good points on Division Three and all of that stuff. A minor league ball, if you want to see pure athleticism and guys giving it all, all the time. I understand the pro level, but it, at the level of amateurism, there's something about giving your best because you want to compete against the best. It comes from within, and in life, you want to be able to have that opportunity. When you learn sports, you carry it into whatever you do afterwards, and that's the scary part, and I'll end there. If the kids are learning, well, you know, we can not lose this game, it's going to make them not as tough
2: to the real world well rob this is uh, you, you're obviously very very well uh presented and i thank you and actually thank you this all sort of ties back and rob thanks for the call as always it, this, this ties back to what rob was saying when the if your kid is an athlete and has that that dna that genetic makeup that wants that he or she wants to compete this all ties back to what we said earlier on about parental expectations and how i said at the top of the hour you want to sit down and talk to a youngster, particularly when they're in high school, when they're in perhaps the junior or senior, and they'll tell you because they have been giving their all and they know what it's like to compete against their your, their peers or, or kids from other teams. And they'll tell you exactly where they think they, you know, how they stack up because they haven't given 100 percent. And the sense is that, OK, you know, I'm really, really good at this sport. But I'm not as big or as fast or as strong or whatever the, the situation may be to compete against other kids at the next level. And, you know, that's, that's an important conversation and important realization for parents to have about their kids because the kids are beginning to say, I love this sport. I love to compete, but I probably am not going to go and get a college scholarship or I'm not going to go pro, but I do enjoy competing and I like to compete at the, at my, to my uh, full extent. And that's, to me, and I'm sure to most of you, is what we want for our kids when it comes to sports. We want them to understand that, yeah, you compete to the very top of your level. And that's why when we hear these, these conversations and stories about tanking and, and uh, inverse analytics, and it's, it behooves our pro team to lose, to get a higher draft choice, I'm telling you, the, 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 the pro athletes I know – they got to be looking at this thinking and scratch their heads thinking, that doesn't make any sense. I'm not going out there to lose. I'm going out there to win and win all the time. And if we don't win, well, that's so be it. But every time we go out and take the floor or take the ice or take the field, we're there to win and uh, we'll let the chips fall where they may in terms of next year's draft and what have you. So this is a very troubling sort of scenario. I do hope it's just a passing fad and will go away because, again, it doesn't seem to add up. And I do, I do get worried about the situation when it comes to uh, – are kids picking up on this? Oh, let me move on. By the way, I mentioned about, about uh, Ed Randall and talking baseball. I, I, this this is from the Sports Edge police blotter, which I haven't referred to in a while. But let me let me just tell you about this. How bizarre was it that you might have read this past week that the head baseball coach at Texas Wesleyan, uh, Mike Jeffcoat. Mike Jeffcoat, you might remember, playing in the big leagues. He was a pitcher for a number of years. Telling a prospect from Colorado— that uh, that his team at Texas Wesleyan doesn't recruit ball players from that state anymore because of the very lax marijuana laws in Colorado. Uh, according to Coach Jeff Coat, too many kids from that state don't pass his school's drug tests. Now, you know, Colorado has very lax laws about marijuana usage., anyway, the, the Jeff Coat sent, sent this kid, who doesn't know, uh, an email which read, quote, "Thanks for the interest in our program." Unfortunately, we are not recruiting players from the state of Colorado. In the past, players have had trouble passing our drug test. We have made a decision to not take a chance on student-athletes from your state. You can thank your liberal politicians. <laughs> That's so bizarre. As you might imagine, Coach Jeff Jeffcoat was quickly a- asked to resign as the head coach at Texas Wesleyan. But, you know, it's funny. If you read the follow-up on this, if you read the comments from the college's president, the, the reason why Jeff Cote was, was fired uh, because of his comments accepting uh, it was, was really more about the fact that he, that he said they wouldn't take kids from the state of Colorado. Uh, this was seen more about as a violation of civil rights uh, as opposed to any concerns about the kid perhaps testing positive for marijuana. The kid was like, well, I don't I don't I don't smoke marijuana. I don't. How is this, what's going on here? But in any event, the, the Texas Wesleyan, as I said in their uh, press release, said ah, it has more to do with the fact that we think it's a violation of the, of the student-athlete's civil rights if he's being told that because he comes from a certain part of the country or a certain state that he's not allowed to uh, be recruited by, uh, by Texas Wesleyan. Very strange situation, but again, Coach Jeff Cote is no longer the head coach there. Uh, on another front, Ivanka Trump. I don't think I've ever mentioned her name on the show in the past. But she made a statement this past week involving kids in sports and various pay-to-play policies in our school districts. And this was a long statement from uh, Ms. Trump, and I quote in in part, quote, "Uh, Even more troubling, the number of economically disadvantaged students playing on sports teams has decreased significantly. As Robert Putnam writes in a book called Our Kids, More than half of all high schools have adopted pay-to-play policies, often requiring students to pay a fee to join a school team in addition to paying for equipment. These costs often total $300 to $400 per student, money that many parents can simply not afford. Girls participation has fallen even more drastically. By the time girls reach 14, they are dropping out of athletics at two times the rate of boys. Now, as a sidebar, I would take issue with the fact, I don't think it's the cost of playing or pay-to-play policies that are are, are ending up with girls dropping out of sports. But let me continue with Ivanka's Trump, uh, her her statement. Before fees were instituted, nearly half of all students played sports. But as fees have become standard, one in every three student-athletes whose family makes $60,000 or less has dropped out because of the cost of participating whereas only one in every 10 student-athletes whose families make more than 60000 has ceased playing because of cost. Okay, end quote. Now, I very much applaud the sentiment here from Ms. Trump about eliminating any fees for kids to play on school teams. And we already know that youth sports has become very, very expensive for most families. It's an expensive venture. In any event, as part of her statement, she goes on to say that the president, her father, of course, President Trump, is committed to building some sort of plan to get rid of these pay-to-play fees. Well, that's great. Let's hope that takes place. (laughs) Unfortunately, there were no real details uh, in her statement as to how President Trump is going to make this happen. But it's certainly good news to know that at least Ivanka Trump, and her father, is aware of this issue about pay-to-play. I mean, obviously, yeah, if they can make this happen, or President Trump, who obviously— as a billionaire, many times over, if he can, he can go into his own pockets, his own checking account, and get rid of these problems, that'd be great because that'd be very, very beneficial to eliminate, uh, you know, all these costs uh, for pay-to-play for kids who want to play high school sports. Um, I, I don't know. Again, there was no specific uh, uh, suggestion as to how this is going to take place, or. If uh, Ivanka Trump or President Trump are going to reach out to corporations to help make up this deficit, I just don't know. But at least at least, at least they're aware of the fact that this is a concern. Um, and, you know, and, you know, by the way, if they are going to address this issue about pay-to-play, maybe at the same time, and I've talked about this many times on the show, maybe the president come up with some ideas about uh, guidelines and suggestions or an overview for, for sports parents and coaches – Uh, to tackle some of the issues we we talk about in this show. I mean, parents today are so baffled and confused and don't know, you know, where to turn for for guidance and help. I mean, it's one thing to to just pinpoint the problem. Second point, more important point, uh, is to try to come up with some solutions. That, to me, seems to be uh, where we need some help from. And again, I'm glad to hear that, as I say, Ivanka Trump and uh, perhaps her dad are heading in the right direction. Um, You know, I I, I just feel that, um, again, we've been talking about these issues for a long time on the show, and and your your thoughts and comments are are terrific. But, again, just the first part of this is trying to pinpoint the issues, whether it's coping with parental expectations or dealing with the idea of tanking or kids not giving their best efforts to somehow tiptoe around a uh, top-seeded team to get to the championship bracket. These are real issues that occur every day in our lives when it comes to kids and sports. We're looking for solutions, and we're looking for ideas that actually make sense and to help, again, parents and coaches circumnavigate the issues that that we deal with all the time on this show. I mean, it's as simple as that. All right, let me me take a quick pause. When I return, I'll come back with more. Stay with me. So we covered uh, a lot of uh, ground this morning, and uh, the two more prominent issues, that of tanking and also parental expectations. Now, obviously, those two concepts don't seem to be in any way related to each other, but they do have— Something that that connects the two of them, and I do think this is the takeaway from this morning's show, Uh, we come back once again to the concept of of parental moms and dads sitting down and talking with their student athletes. Uh, You know, sometimes we get so caught up in in the hectic schedules we have and, and practices and games and expectations. No, at some point in a quiet moment, you have to sit down and talk to your son or your daughter and explain to them... You know, when it comes to tanking, and, and you can be proactive about this and say, look, proact- tanking is something that only happens at the professional level. Uh, it's not something to emulate. Uh, as far as your own games are concerned, you always you reassure them that it's good to go out and give 100%, that they're there to win uh, and, and to make sure they give the best account and they always can. Uh, that's what you want from them at the amateur level, youth sports, high school, travel, whatever it might be. But, again, that's contingent upon you as the mom or dad Giving that reinforcing conversation to your youngster to reassure them that's the way to go. That that's the right way to play sports. Same thing with parental expectations. As I said early on, you really want to be in a situation where you sit down with your son and daughter and say, "Look, how do you see it? How are you doing? What do you? How do you stack up from your perspective against your peers and and colleagues uh, on your team? Do you think that uh, you're getting a fair shake from the coach? Do you feel that you're doing a good job? Do you feel what your playing time?" the equation you're getting it makes sense to you those are the kind of conversations you want to have before before as a parent you give in to your own parental expectations and jump to your own conclusions sit down and talk to your kids get their sense of what's going on before you start making any complaints to the athletic director or the school board okay that's going to do it for me in this edition of the sports edge my thanks this morning to Brian Roscona. Please stick around for Red Randall. He's up next. I'll see you next week, right here on the Sports Edge.
4: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds.